to step into her glorious and God is empowering a people to spearhead that agenda. Be blessed as the mandate bearer cast on the principle stirs your heart. People come to ask you, what is your secret? It is when everything is shaking, that we cannot be shaken will remain. I want to see the kingdom. There is a movement called the kingdom movement. If I don't get to explain everything, Vision begins from the Lord Jesus down as bullet points, alright? Now, so, every vision begins from the Lord Jesus and it is ending in the fullness of the Lord Jesus, alright? What's the second thing I said? Every vision gets corrupted when men's intentions, men's desires, men's mix up with the vision of God. But listen to this, even in that state, God always has a solution, um, you remember that the Lord Jesus in the parable of the wheat and the tares, you remember that, that parable, right? Do you remember the parable of the wheat and the tares? That a good man sowed wheat on his field. And while men slept, what happened? Huh? An enemy sowed tares. Did you notice that the tares are only sown while men sleep? Um, let me put a scripture beside that in first start chapter five. Be sober, be vigilant for your adversary, the devil. Walk it about like, uh, seeking whom he may devour. Now, it tells you that the Bible didn't say carry a sword and a shield. It said be sober, be vigilant. That means to beat that roaring lion, you just stay vigilant. Because the moment men sleep, if you lose sight of your consecrations, if you lose sight of your calling, if you lose sight of what the Lord Jesus is building and start to get excited, because in Matthew chapter 24, I hope everybody is still here. In Matthew chapter 24, the Bible was speaking about the signs of the end of times. And when the Lord Jesus was done speaking about the signs of the end of times, he said, who is that servant whom the master will set him over his fellow servants to give them their meat in due season. He said, when and if that servant shall say in his heart, my master delayeth his coming and shall beat his fellow servants and sit and eat with the drunken. Listen, that means that a man does not lose sight of his assignment until he begins to say in his heart, there's time. Do you understand it? He didn't say my master will not return. He said my master delays his coming. That means every vision, write that down. Every vision is to be pursued with a sense of urgency or will be accompanied by complacency. And the moment you become complacent about pursuing a vision, what happens is that Satan sees that you are no longer vigilant. While men slept, an enemy sowed tears. So visions become corrupted the moment people lose sight of the assignment, either by saying to themselves, there is time, or by saying to themselves, what have I gained by building this assignment? 
Did you notice that the Bible says that that servant will sit and eat with the drunkard? I'm I'm avoiding the specific scriptures. But notice, he will sit and eat with the drunkard. Drunkenness is the opposite of sobriety. Be sober, be vigilant. And the moment you lose sobriety or you become drunken, you stop being vigilant. You become loose. So visions become corrupted when men lose sobriety. Let me explain in very simple terms. Drunkenness is seeking the excitements of the world as a consolation for ministry. Ah. I will not say it again. I'll try again. Let me try try one more time. Drunkenness is seeking the excitement of the world as a consolation for ministry. Listen, I realize that too many ministries die when people begin to classify the quality of ministry by outcomes. How many nations have you entered into? How many people sit in your meetings? How many? Do you understand it? If we go that way, Jesus will never send anybody to a rural area in his lifetime. I wish you heard me. And so everybody is running to the city centers. Everybody is hoping that they can put together a conference like this and this entire main bowl is filled. Everybody is hoping that and because that became our yardstick for the measurement of ministry and that's not the yardstick of Jesus for the measurement of ministry. What then happens is that it becomes almost impossible to keep our visions clear and run the course of Jesus. If you understood me so far, let me hear an amen. Listen, many times, which is where I'm going to close this morning, but many times, listen to this, it is the major reason why people don't settle down and build with others. I hope you know that the average young man who does ministry in the 21st century is waiting for the day God will start his own. Unfortunately, none of us has our own. Oh, I thought you heard the first statement I made. The first statement is that every vision came from Jesus and every vision is ending in Jesus. In fact, let me add a statement to that. If you read Hebrews chapter 11, And you hear twice in Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible said, And these all died by faith, not having obtained the promise. The first these all was actually in in Hebrews chapter 11. The first these all was actually um, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, and Sarah. Then the Bible says, these all died by faith, not having obtained the promises. So Abraham did not obtain. Sarah did not obtain. Noah did not obtain. Enoch did not obtain. Abel did not obtain. Whoa. That means the result you saw in the life of Enoch, scripture did not consider it to be obtaining. What's the result? It's already on the board. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death 
and what? Was not found because God had taken him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Verse 6, and without faith, it would have been impossible for Enoch to please God. For when Enoch came to God, he believed that God is and that God rewards those who seek him. And though Enoch was translated, the Bible went on a few verses later to say to you, and these all died by faith, not having obtained the promise. That means translating from the body into spirituality was not God's ultimate promise. It means that the results you get every day must never take your eyes away from the vision Jesus is building. Sometimes your greatest distraction is your present result. I wish you heard me. Did somebody hear me this morning? Sometimes your greatest distraction is your present result. Why is your present result seemingly your greatest distraction? Give me Hebrews 11.13. Listen, that's the scripture I was quoting. Why is your present result your greatest distraction? Number one, your present result seems to exalt you in the eyes of men. Number two, your present results become something you feel the need to protect that can birth compromise to protect the result. Listen, I hope you know that God reserves the right to end what you believe is fruitful and begin something again with you. I have a personal story. That's how I left Zaria. 2015. Now, as of 2015, I was already all over the nation. As of 2015, I was in major conferences. And what God had begun with us in Zaria had, I mean, it had, it had grown significantly. And then in 2014, late 2014, the Lord began to tell me it was time to leave this place. And you know, naturally, in Nigeria, if you are leaving a village like Zaria, there are only three places you are heading to. Lagos, Port Harcourt, Abuja. God wasn't calling me to Lagos. He wasn't calling me to Port Harcourt. He wasn't calling me to Abuja. He was sending me to Joss. And the clear signs on my spiritual pathway made it absolutely clear. That except if I want to build what I want to build. If what I want to build is what Jesus wants me to build, my next assignment is in Jesus. Let me tell you something that you must fear. The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. That means if I was in Abuja today, I would have still been a prosperous global minister. But what I will be building will have no eternal account. Neither will it have an eternal reward. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul said, every man can build, but every man should be careful with what sort of materials he built. He said, because the day will prove it. For every man's work shall be tested with fire. I read scriptures like the scripture you find in Matthew chapter 10, I believe. And you'll find the Bible says, and that day they shall come and they shall say, Lord, Lord. In your name we casted out demons. In your name we laid our hands upon sick and the sick recovered. Permit me to add to, to it. In your name we gathered major cities. Don't permit your results to give you the certification of an approval in your heart. 
never do it. If you do it, you will stop building the assignment of Jesus. You'll be doing big things, but you arrive at Titanity and find that you, know, you have no reward. I wish somebody heard me. Let me tell you. As at the time when I was going to move to Jaws, some of my very great friends felt differently. They felt like what you are built in Zaria is just about gaining traction. Feels like it's going to hit the nations. Do you think this is the kind of time to move? Oh. Well, Lord, I've seen your hands and I heard your mighty thunder. In the words you speak lies the fullness of all life. Since I've seen and heard you, you've been with me like a shadow. And now I find deep within me the grace to walk in time with you. And now I find deep within me the power to walk in time with you. Oh, since I've seen and heard you, You've been with me like a shadow. And now I find deep within me the grace to walk in time with you. And now I find deep within me the power to walk in time with you. Listen, your greatest treasure in building for Jesus is built according to the pattern shown to you. Don't ever permit the yardsticks for the measurement in your time to become the drunkenness that makes you lose God and permit the enemy to sow tears in the field of God. If that's all I came to say this morning, I'm satisfied. Listen, these that I said, I believe to be the toughest assignment of the generation God chooses to use. Can we help each other? Listen, you remember yesterday I taught you that God isolates to instruct, right? Oh, do you remember? I think like five people remember. You, you still remember? Now, listen, God isolates us to instruct us. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't build structures. In fact, that means that every one of us individually owes the entire body our lives. And yet, the body does not own us. Irresponsibility. Do you get it? That's how every Christian is supposed to be living and thinking. So I'm supposed to be thinking, I owe everyone, nobody owes me. In fact, in the law of Jesus, what Jesus said is, love one another as I have loved you, not as you want to be loved. That means, the Christian love is paid forward. 
not reciprocate. Paid forward is I receive love from Jesus. And the love I receive from Jesus is enough for me. Enough to make that if I love all men and I'm not loved back, nothing changes in my life. What Jesus has done for me is enough. And so when I love you, I love you not because I owe you. I love you because I owe Jesus. Does it make sense? Come on, come on. Does it make sense? Now, imagine that every single individual among us lives that way. Listen, I'm specific about this example and you need to listen to it carefully. It then means that especially those of us that God has blessed. Please forgive my French. I didn't, that is not accurate. Now, when we say those of us that God has blessed, Pastor Luke, what are we saying? We are saying those of us that God has permitted to have large ministries. I mean, God has blessed me. I've got a 2,000 capacity sitter in Jaws. I've got a lot of land I'm sitting on. I've got, a, you know, churches planted everywhere. I've got sons in nations of the world. I mean, there's nothing else to ask for. Until you begin to compare with somebody else. Okay. You didn't hear me. When you begin to compare with somebody else, then you realize that you are a city on a 5,000 seater. Somebody else just built a 60,000. Then you realize that what you call success is not success. But let me go to where I'm going to. Now, while I'm doing that, there are people that God raised with me in the same movement who believe that the calling of Jesus on their lives is in rural places. So you now understand why I said those of us that God has blessed. In love and honor for the brotherhood, let us be sure that we don't posture our results in such a way that we intimidate those who God has called to do other things. Because sometimes we deliberately do it. By the time we are standing and saying we are in 60 nations, let us be sure that the glory of Jesus is the reason why we are announcing that we are in 60 nations. Not the competition to be the greatest apostle of our time. Hmm. Let me turn another side. Listen, I tell you these things now, forgive my English, I tell you these things now before you become great, so that the Lord will bear witness from now till eternity that these things ought to be written in your heart. The prophecy concerning John the Baptist was that he will be great and he will be called the prophet of the highest. If you were the father of John the Baptist, what would be the picture in your mind? Some mighty guy that everybody likes. Listen. That great guy died, theologians say, at about 32 years old. That great guy that his father and his mother waited their entire lifetime to give birth to, died at about 32 years old. That great guy did his entire ministry in a wilderness. And if he had done it in the city, he would have lost the prophetic calling. He, they said, who should we tell them you are? He said, I am Isaiah 43, the voice crying in the wilderness. Let me, you don't understand John the Baptist. Let me help you. In the season when John the Baptist left his father's house, priests were the richest Israelis. The most respected. 
and the priesthood was biological. So by biological privilege, John was already great. But the assignment required that he was in the wilderness. So the terror of the Lord in Malachi and the fear of the judgment of the Lord, the moment John read it, he will sit as a refiner and as a purifier of silver. He will put the house of Levi that they might offer an offering acceptable. Then he said to himself, Malachi prophesied judgment on my entire tribe. John was not from Judah. He was a Levite. You could only be a priest from the tribe of Levi. That's why it's called a Levitical priesthood. So if John was looking for success, he was born into success. But John was looking to fulfill prophecy. And because he was looking to fulfill prophecy, there was no palatial treatment in his father's house. No dignity on the streets of Israel. No exaltation from the prominent people of his day that will satisfy the heart of John enough to keep John in the city while he sees that you are supposed to be a voice crying in the wilderness. That was why John became confused when Jesus became started manifesting. Because he saw Jesus go back to the city that he ran away from. Then he started hearing that Jesus was eating with the people he was avoiding. Do you realize that John was avoiding them? Do you remember that scripture said that when certain people came from the priests and the Levites to John, the first thing he said is, you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath that is to come? That means John the Baptist was hiding in the wilderness, hoping that the anger of God will strike the temple in Jerusalem and purify the priesthood there. And John lived his life till he was dying. He did not hear Caiaphas is dead. He did not hear Annas has been destroyed. He did not hear fire fell from above. And Jesus was still going around. So when he said in Matthew chapter 11, are you the one? Or should we expect another? The first thing Jesus said is go and tell John what you see. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame are walking, the lepers are cleansed, the dead live again, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. So what he did was he showed John the context in which God is cleansing. That it is not the context in which he thought. And yet, Jesus, oh my God, this is going to bless you. Listen to me carefully. You thought that Jesus will say, of all men born of women, there's never reason one greater than John the Baptist while his disciples were there, right? So that at least when they go back to the prison, they'll tell them, well, Jesus said we should tell the blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing, and cities have been changed. But, John, that's not end. Jesus said nobody has ever been greater than you. That means you are greater than Moses. At least John will have been encouraged. The Bible said in Matthew chapter 11, after he said, the dead live again, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. The Bible says, and while the disciples of John left, Jesus continued speaking. And he said, what did you go to the wilderness to see? Then he said, for of all men, born of women, there have not risen one greater than John the Baptist. No, I, somebody didn't hear what I've said. Sometimes you think that Jesus should encourage you. 
because I read that scripture and I started to fear. Lord, why didn't you say it when his disciples were there? So that at least John would have heard and be encouraged that God has this account about me. Listen, let me encourage someone here who is under the sound of my voice who might not have a popularly acceptable kind of ministry. Listen, don't listen to what people are saying about how you failed or how you did not succeed. Sometimes the account of God has not come to your hearing, but heaven is shouting from its grandstand, I'm proud of you. If one person heard me, it's all right. Because by all human standards, John the Baptist failed. Oh, you didn't hear me? By all human standards, John the Baptist failed. He died owning only one cloth. And the cloth was not sewn by a tailor. It was the skin of a dead camel he found in the wilderness. He was not willing to run back home and change his clothes because he believed that God's vision is about to be fulfilled. I told you, the moment you lose God and you say to yourself, the time has come, I have arrived. This is the measure of ministry. Is what we have always been looking for. Or we too must arrive. Did God call me here to escort anybody? When you start to think like that, you have opened a doorway for Satan to sow tears in the midst of the seed of God. Please let me say this in case I don't get to say it at the end. I can only be speaking to you like this because I believe in the revival God is staring from here. Do you understand it? If I looked at you and I didn't think you were serious about what God is saying, I can teach you five steps to successful ministry. But one of the things I feel over you is the need to protect the purity of the vision of God. Listen. Anybody getting blessed this morning? Is anybody understanding me this morning? So I explained all of that to say to you, we owe our brethren to remind them, especially those who are posted to do a different kind of work from us. Oh, there's one of the guys who rose out of that revival in Abu. You know his present work is converting drug addicts and giving them a lease of life. If you look at him, you can, on the natural, think he's not as successful as some of us are. You know why? Because he cannot convert drug addicts in a large auditorium. He's living half of his life in the slums. He goes to, when I hear his results, my heart is excited. He goes to the places where government and police cannot go. And when he comes in, he's like Alaye. You know what Yoruba calls Alaye? He's like the father of the jungle. He comes there and it is the addicts that are protecting him. And he's working out their lives one after the other. 
I have like three guys like that in my congregation. But the one I'm specifically speaking about came out of the ABU revival. If I call his name now, you possibly don't know him. If you ever knew him, you will know him for his hip-hop and R&B. Sorry, hip-hop actually. Because he raps excellently. I'm sitting down now and I'm seeing the beauty of God. Because while he was in Abu and he was rapping and wearing all those big things, we could tell this guy was seeking the fire of God. He was spitting fire. You will think all fire should end on pulpits. Oh, I wish somebody heard me. And he's doing such an excellent job. Excellent job. Now I hear that God is raising strong partners for him from around the globe. And yet, I've not seen him online. I've not seen him. Heaven will have surprises. So, <laughs> ah, let me let me say something for my sake. If you like, you do it. I just won the church last week, and I won another last month. I told them nobody should use the word general to my name. You are not the one recruiting the army. You are not the one promoting the army. You don't know a man's rank. You general men because of the value system you carry. This is a general in the kingdom. Uncle, cool down. You are not the one sharing rank. We will cross lines and find out that some generals are sergeants. And some people we treated as sergeants are generals. The scripture is clear about it. Don't judge any man's servant. And that's good or bad. Before his master, he stands for us. I learned this early from Don Moen. Read a story very early in life. That they invited Don Moen for an award. Was that Don Moen? Well, some, one, one of those guys. Oh, I need to transition to some 127 so that I can close. Listen to this. They invited him to take an award. And he respectfully declined. And he declined with a statement. That only the one who gave the job description. Knows when you are doing well. You didn't hear me. Only the one who gave the job description knows when you are doing well. I'll give you an illustration and let it never leave you. If I called any one of you, come sir, I seem to be interested in you. Maybe it's the way you are listening to the word, come. If I called you and I said, um, I want to send you, all right? Um, I need to buy seven bosses, seven evangelical bosses for the southeast. So that next time when we have this conference, we can have people coming from each capital city and a few of the large cities. So every capital city, including Abba and maybe Onicha, who are not capital cities and they are large. Right? So buy me eight buses. Now, naturally, I'm going to furnish you with the money for the buses, right? So an average new bus is about 60 to 65 million. How do I know? Because I'm looking for a few. Um, right? So if I'm going to ask you to buy, how many buses did I say you should buy? 
Eh? Eight. Seventy times eight. How much? Why did I say seventy? Because God never gives grace enough. He always gives grace more than enough. So, follow me. Right? So, we said sixty-five million. Then I said seventy times eight. Come on, come on. Somebody pass mass now. Eh? Five sixteen. Five sixty. Five six zero. So, that means I transferred to your account 600 million. Listen. <clears throat> you can go to the car stand and you will see buses, but you also see the latest Jeep. Are you following me? You can buy the latest Jeep, which maybe will cost you what? 120 million each. If you take around 120 million, what's left? There's still a lot. There's 440. Right? 120 out of 560, right? 440 now. I be I know pass mass. I pass mass. 440, I be. And then you look around the 440 and you say to yourself, Kai! Since I drove out this Jeep, everybody has liked me. <coughs> Let me share the money. One, one million. To everybody who hails me. At the end of the day, you share the rest of the money for 400 people. Let me make this example short. I have many more things to say. But you share the rest of the money to 400 people. What is our account of you? Eh? What is our account of you? The people who are seeing you outside, what are they saying? You are doing well. Oh boy! If I can only be like the only problem is that the person who gave you grace gave you grace for eight buses. And the account he will take is for eight buses. That means you can use his grace to build your team. But you cannot avoid standing before him to account for what you did. Once again, I can only speak like this because I consider that God is doing something serious here. That means every custodian of grace must hold grace with trepidation. So, Paul, so Peter said that if you are made Lord over the sheep, you must understand that you are not the Lord. You are a custodian on the Lord's behalf. It will mean that you will carry and govern your affairs over the sheep of Christ. Very carefully. Thank you, sir. Please sit down. Does it make sense? Does it make sense? So, results are not, you cannot measure a man's servant result. Encourage people, but please, let's let the field marshal come and assign his generals. Leave him. Sila. You can tell by now that I'm one of the people that they call general, right? Or you cannot tell. Sure you can tell. Uh, every year during your birthday, celebrating a kingdom general, every time I see it, my heart shakes. Because I'm asking myself, who's ranking And it simply started with one book. I have it on my shelf. I'm saying it so that you understand I don't condemn the book. God's 
generals. The moment we saw God's generals, we adopted the name. No doubt, certain men are entrusted by God with the spiritual seasons of the church. And yet, does it make them generals? Do I have a few saints with me right now? So listen to this. I'll add a few more statements and we'll read Psalm 127 together. If any man is building the vision of God, it doesn't matter who received the vision. It only matters who gave the vision. You know, in Habakkuk chapter 2, when scripture said, write the vision, make it plain upon tables, right? That he may what? Run that what? That receives his own vision. It means what you owe God. Please listen to me very carefully, especially if you serve in kingdom diplomats. What you owe God is to make sure in this context, the vision God's servant is running with is from God. That means God does not owe every man a vision. I'm waiting for you to hear it. Huh? God does not owe every man a vision. God owes every man sensitivity to what God is building, which is another man's vision. And many times, even if God will give you a vision, he will not give you a vision until you are being faithful with another man's. And faithful with another man's in simple terms means you run it like you would die there. I'm saying it so that, listen to this, those of you who nurse ambition and believe it is vision, bury it. Let it be sufficient that I have found something God is doing and I yoke up with it and I'm willing to lay my life down here. So that if the Lord has commissioned me to do something, I'll do it. Never permit ambition to commission you to do many things. Listen to this. The church is losing energy because people are dispersing energy in building visions God did not give. While they would have been able to simply serve under an existing vision because the vision did not come by man. That means two things in two opposite directions. Never serve a vision until you are convinced it came from God. And when you serve a vision that came from God, serve it as God's vision. Don't wait for your own. If God wants to give you a vision, he will obstruct you somewhere on the way. Psalm 127. Let me close. I hope somebody heard me. Woo! I wish you put it with the, with the theme, the heading of the psalm. There were certain psalms that came with Headings. Alright? Good, thank you. A song of degrees for Solomon. It changes everything. That means 
this psalm was written by David. It was written for who? It will make sense to you. Except the Lord builds what? Not a house. The house. And English tells you that the is a definite article. They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keeps the city. So, two major nouns here. The house, the city. Notice that David didn't say except the Lord builds the city. He said except the Lord builds or builds the house. And except the Lord watches the city. Or keeps the city. That means the house was not built, the city was built. Oh, okay. Something's going to, something's going to hit you now. So David, after he took the land of the Jebusites, that the Bible said was a fortified city, built what is called the city of David. And when David built the city of David and built his palace in the city of David, he said in Psalm 132, I will not go up to my bed, neither will I give my eyes sleep. Why? Because the Lord's house was not yet built. Oh. So David goes to build the house and the Lord says to him, no, you cannot build the house. Your hand is bloodied. You must let your son build the house. Listen to this. So David built the city. Solomon was to build the house. Are you following the story? Oh, no, no, no. Six people are following me. Are you following the story? Now, listen to this. That means, when David was dying, he was looking at Solomon and knowing... That this city that we built by the Lord has to be kept by the Lord. Now notice, it was the Lord that built the city. It was the Lord. It was the Lord that built. It was the Lord that built the city. But the city needed to be kept. And yet, though it was the Lord that built the city, it was David that built the city. Is that correct? Good. That means the Lord does nothing except through a man. And what God has done by other men need to be kept by succeeding generations. But guess what? There are things God did not do with preceding generations... That are expected to be done by succeeding generations. So what preceding generations did not build. Succeeding generations must build. And yet what preceding generations built. Succeeding generations must keep. I need to wrap this up very quickly. Thank you Lord Jesus. Did you notice. That Solomon successfully built the house. 
But Solomon lost guard over the city and ended up losing guard over the house. And both the house and the city were ravaged and taken not too many days from Solomon. So a generation loses touch with what God built even with them. If they don't have a crushing jealousy for what God built by others. I wish you heard me. That's why you cannot belong to kingdom diplomats and not belong to the body of Christ. And you don't belong to the body of Christ as a member of kingdom diplomats. You belong to the body of Christ as a member of the body of Christ. So that there's a hot jealousy burning inside of you. You rejoice at every advancement the body makes. And your ears are consistently on the breast of Jesus. Finding out, Lord, is this pattern accurate? Is that pattern accurate? Not so that I can compare it with what our church is building. But so that I can rejoice at the advancement of the body of Christ. Are you following me? And while you are doing that on one end, on another end, you are saying to God, Lord, what have you given me to build? No man builds accurately until he knows how to watch accurately. David was such an accurate builder because even when Saul was carrying a javelin, David knew how to watch the things that were committed to Saul. If you read the psalm that David wrote at the death of Saul at Jonathan, you will never believe that these were his enemies or this was his enemy who was seeking to kill him. He spoke about Saul and said the beauty of Israel. He said, don't tell them in God. Don't announce it in Ashkelon so that the daughters of the Philistines do not rejoice. How will Saul and Jonathan die like those who have not been anointed. Oh, I wish we had the time. You will have read through Psalm 127. You will now understand why the Bible says, Behold, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of his womb, or the womb, his reward. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. He wasn't just talking about biological children. It was the interplay between David and Solomon. And yet, a Solomon generation, listen to this, cannot succeed until they become deeply jealous about what God has committed to a David generation. That means, it doesn't matter who received division. It matters who gave the vision. The moment I confirm that a vision is from God, even if I did not receive it, I must commit my life jealously to building it. Because if God will ever give me a vision, he must find me building another vision. Today I came to say to you, we have a generation that is ambitious, but we don't have a generation that is visionary. 
And the vision is the vision of Jesus. If you see us build anything today, it is the vision of Jesus. And Jesus, the Bible says when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Since that day, he stopped giving gifts. Let me help you understand it. That means every gift that came after those set of gifts received its gifts from those set of gifts. So when Jesus released the 12 apostles of the Lamb, he went to rest. Because if you must learn the vision of Jesus, you must sit under the apostles. Paul said, and I went back to those who were apostles before me. And I told them the things I've come to believe. Lest I find out that I have run in vain. That means the accuracy of what I'm building must agree with what Jesus told them while he was with them. If not, no matter where I saw the vision, the vision is not of God. Every true vision of God will serve another man. Are you following me? God can give you a fresh vision because he's changing the context of what you are doing. Not because he needs to build another thing. None of us has a vision. It is the vision of Jesus. Lift up your hands where you are and say to the Lord, Lord, help me build together with you. Pray in the spirit for a moment. Hold that keyboard for me on a G. Listen, in the next two minutes, an outpouring is going to happen here. Lord, prepare me a sanctuary pure and holy. If you can pray in the spirit for a moment, try it and true. With thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. Pray in the Spirit. You have made me your sanctuary, pure and holy. Tried and true. A number of you I'm looking at today. Your fire is coming in this conference. The Lord was waiting to purify your heart and your motive. So that he can stir up your gift. If not you will have used your gift. To trade in other things. Not the things he has called you to do. So today by the hand of the Lord. I ask that cloven tongues will rest upon your head. They will come divided. They will come ready. They will come burning. I am a living sanctuary for you by your spirit. I am a living. That burning sensation you feel in your heart is the Lord tearing out ambition, He's tearing out wrong motives. And he's breathing into you his breath of life. So that by that breath, when you arise to build, you will build only according to the standards that Jesus reveals to you. By your spirit, I am a living. Oh, I thought someone would be praying. Sanctuary, I live only for you. 
by your spirit I am a living some of you have just entered the season when you will begin to understand the vision of Jesus Habakkuk didn't say write a vision he said write the vision the vision is for an appointed time there's the portion of the vision whose time has come I pray for you that the breath of the almighty will bring you to understanding so that you know what God is doing in this time and you can partner with him to build it even if it makes you unpopular I live only for you by your spirit I am a living sanctuary for you lift up your hands this morning if you believe you are one of the people I'm speaking to that the Lord needs to breathe the understanding of the vision to you must keep on guard jealously listen while I speak the Holy Spirit is saying to me some of you need to repent from unfaithfulness you suddenly are seeing that you did not commit to the visions that were given because they were not your vision so in the midst of the vision you are running now whether in this assembly or somewhere else in the midst of that vision you were waiting for the day God will commit to you now repent now for the next set of things that must happen I'm giving you the next 10 seconds just focus on the father and tell him Lord I'm sorry I wasn't building faithfully because I felt like I was building another man's business this is not a business it is not it is the vision of Jesus there's a vision of Jesus yes I surrender it all yes I turn it all over yes it all belongs to you please lift up your hand if I've spoken to you the Lord breathes upon you now not only will he breathe commitment he will breathe understanding the zeal of the Lord of hosts will rise from within you fulfilling the vision of Jesus everywhere you were sent that the Lord himself makes you faithful and true to the vision so that the pressure and the drunkenness around you does not distract you in the name of the Lord Jesus so right now ask sweet Holy Spirit let your hand rest upon your people separate them from all the things that are not according to your eternal pattern let your name be glorified Lord I commend them to you and to the word of your grace everyone for whom you sent me to Enugu on this voyage I ask that you mark them with the mark of your fire Lord purify and yet make them poised to run that in the days when the nations of the earth begin to celebrate the revivals that rose out of Umuahia and came all the way this way 
in the days of their nesting and their brooding over the things that are divine when the world begins to celebrate it let it be celebrated pure let it be celebrated strong let it be celebrated taking the nations as you have designed it to be in some of you singularly at the ability to bring down nations father energize them by your spirit like arrows in the quiver of a mighty man glorify your name we give you praise our father bless the lord everywhere bless him everywhere hallelujah thank you for listening to this message we believe you were blessed don't be left out in this last move of god in the nations of the earth for more of this audio messages please click on the download link on our facebook page at kingdom diplomat ng or join us on instagram kdiplomats